Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today, a very uh, familiar one, I think, to many of us. It's actually on that uh, window right there. You can barely see it until it gets a little bit lighter today, but it's also one that, that we say every time we baptize a child and, and other times as well. It's, it's the Great Commission, the words of Jesus in Matthew 28 that tell us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is our text. Making disciples. That was the reason for all of it. For the birth of Jesus on Christmas, for the announcement by the angels to the Jewish shepherds and the leading of the star to the, to the Gentile wise men, because God wants people from every nation to follow him, to follow Jesus, to be his disciples. We're going to spend a significant time in 2018 talking about that, about being disciples of Jesus. That comes first, you know. Before we can make disciples, we first have to be disciples ourselves. We've had a lot of, uh, I would say, fun uh, these past few months as we've been talking in our, our pastoral team meetings about the year of discipleship. You know how those brainstorming sessions go. You come up with, with all kinds of ideas. Yeah, we could do this and we could do that. And, and then you get realistic and you start paring it down a little and you say, okay, here's what we are going to do. And, and actually, we don't know everything we're going to do yet. Uh, it's going to be a long year. We've got 12 months to work on this, but uh, we've got a lot in place that we very much look forward uh, to sharing uh, with you, including uh, once a month, normally the first Sunday of the month, we will spend uh, the entire weekend, those services at all of, the, uh, at all of our services, focusing on, on one or another different aspect of the topic of discipleship. Today is an introduction to the topic. Thinking about uh, discipleship is very fitting to begin the epiphany season, so that's why I had to cut you off. <laughs> epiphany, do you know what the word means? You might have heard. The word epiphany means a revealing, making known something that up until that point, anyway, was unknown. During this epiphany season, especially in our gospel readings, we will review what God has revealed about his son Jesus. Next weekend is the baptism of Jesus as, as the Holy Spirit uh, alights on Jesus' disciple and the Father points out that this is my son with whom I am pleased. The following weekend is the calling of the first disciples and then the, the weekends which come after that uh, describe one or another of the miracles that Jesus performed. And the season ends with Transfiguration Sunday just before Lent begins. On Transfiguration Sunday the, the glory of Jesus is revealed in a marvelous way to his closest disciples. 
through the scriptures, the glory of Jesus is revealed to all of his disciples. And that's us. And all who follow Jesus, which is really what the word disciple at least has come to mean, and that is a follower of Jesus. In your uh, sermon outline, we, uh, we talk about a couple different ways in which that is true. As we say that a, a disciple is, first of all, a faith-filled follower. On Epiphany Sunday, we marvel at the faith of the wise men, the, the magi who followed that star. Although there's really not much we know about those men they pop up, kind of out of nowhere in Matthew, and, and then they disappear. All we know for sure is that they were filled at least with enough faith to follow that star. And then, did you catch that in the reading? Once they got to Jerusalem and asked where the, the one to be born king of the Jews was, then they listened to the scriptures that had prophesied the birth of the Messiah in Bethlehem. We too have been given faith. As far as we can tell anyway, because we don't know anything more about the, the wise men, our faith is, 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 well I would say deeper because it has been enriched by so much that, that they didn't have access to, especially the New Testament scriptures which have revealed to us everything we need to know about Jesus. And, and the first thing that that means is that as a faith-filled follower of Jesus, a disciple knows God's love in our lives. St. Paul talks about that in Ephesians chapter 3 when he says that, I pray that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened through his spirit in your inner being, that you being rooted and established in love may have strength to, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. To know what we cannot know. To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. You know what that's talking about, don't you? It's talking about the primary characteristic of a disciple, and that is faith. Faith accepts what intellect cannot comprehend. And that faith which, which fills us doesn't well up from inside of us. It comes to us from out side of us. It comes from God, of course, ultimately through the, through the waters of baptism and also through his church that he has established here on this earth as a means of, of making disciples so that people can be filled with faith and can know the love of God in our lives. We don't fill ourselves with faith. God does that. What we do is simply to offer him our thanks 
and praise for what he has done. And then praying that he would also make us a faithful follower of Jesus who show God's love with our lifestyle. Now that certainly is not an original thought with me. It dates back all the way to the beginning of our congregation. And I hope you're familiar uh, with our mission statement. It's good to review once in a while. See how that ties in actually. Uh, showing God's love in our lifestyle is drawn from, from this mission statement. That, uh, that our mission as individuals and as a congregation is to show others by word and deed how beautiful it is to live with Jesus. But you know that idea dates way back before 1845. Back to the time of Jesus. When he said, these words are recorded in, in John's gospel, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now the new thing there is not the, the command to love. That probably goes all the way back to Eve. Because moms have been telling their children for thousands of years they need to love their brothers and sisters. No, what's new is not that we love, but how we love. That we love as Jesus has loved us. We are to love not because someone is, is particularly lovable, or because they have something to offer us. No, to love the way Jesus loves us. Completely. Unconditionally. Sacrificially. As he has loved us, so he calls his disciples to love him. And he, he concludes this part by saying that by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And the point there is, is not to call attention to us and to say, oh look, they are disciples of Jesus. The, the intent is to call attention to Jesus, the one whom we follow. He talks about that in Matthew chapter 5. When he says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now it kind of seems when you, when you read that, that maybe instead of saying, and give glory, Jesus would say, but give glory. Because they see your give good works, but they don't give the glory to you, or they don't give the glory to me. They give the glory to God. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why Jesus doesn't say, well, let people see your good works so that so they can praise you. Actually, there's two reasons. The first reason is that when we call attention to ourselves or, or when other people are praising us, what is right around the corner then is sinful pride. And then instead of being, because that's just the, uh, pride is the, really the opposite of faith and, and it's deadly to faith. You can either be faith-filled or pride-filled. You can't be both. Jesus wants us to be faith-filled. And, and so he encourages us to direct all attention away from ourselves and toward God. And we want that too. 
especially because God is the only one who can save. We don't need people looking at us because we can't do them any good, not eternally. We want them looking at the one who can, God, our Savior. We want them seeing our good works and glorifying Him. That's a good theory, isn't it? It is, except there's a problem, a big problem with disciples, as well as with all people, of course. But it's what gets in the way of our doing good works, and and that is the fact that by nature we are sinners. Interferes with the whole good works thing. Now it seems to me, and I could certainly be wrong about this, and if so, then I'll just ignore it, I guess. But it seems to me that there are plenty of times anyway when we don't mind that designation, sinner. In fact, we can, we can find some relief in that. It means well, we can shrug our shoulders and say, I'm just a sinner. Sinners commit sins. I can't help myself. I I mean, I don't try to sin. Let's not be satisfied with that. No. Let's reverse it. As those who want to be faith-filled and faithful followers of Jesus... Let's say, yes, I'm a sinner and and I still commit sins. I, I can't help myself, but God can help me, and he will. And then this. What would happen if instead of saying, I do not try to sin, we said, I do try not to sin? It just changes those two words around. But I think it changes so much more than that. That's what our last blank in our sermon outline is all about. It says that a a disciple is someone who grows spiritually. Actually, coming to the point in our discipleship where, where we can say... Constantly, regularly, I do try not to sin. Well, that would actually demonstrate some good growth, wouldn't it? In our walk with Jesus, in our life of discipleship. But it would also acknowledge the fact that so much more is necessary. We begin with that resolve to try not to sin in order to even come close to, to keeping that resolution with, with any consistency, requires ongoing growth, spiritual growth in our walk with Jesus. Which brings us to the end of this message at the beginning of this year of discipleship. But it's not just a year is it? We're calling it the year of discipleship, but what we all know is what we're really talking about is a lifetime 
of discipleship, of following Jesus. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.